Welcome to the Community Podcast, brought to you by the Community Paper. Since 1989, the Community Paper has been sharing good news happening in downtown Orlando and College Park. Your hosts for the show are Orlando native and the paper's publisher, Debbie Gunter, and Orlando transplant and managing editor, Tommy Cardinal. Welcome back to the Community Podcast. We have Logan Lamphere with us today, tagging in for Debbie. Hi, Logan. I thought there was going to be champagne. You missed that episode. Yeah, that was last episode. Yeah. And we we had it all, so uh, there's no well, leftovers. I guess I'll, I'll stay. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Recently, Nick and I were able to tour the Four Roots Farm campus in the packing district, weren't we, Nick? Yeah, it was great. I mean, they don't have a lot built yet, but all the land is cleared. Some roads have been laid down, and they have a good idea of where everything is going to go. And it was really neat to see it beforehand. You know, you can see the plans online and kind of get an idea of where it goes in relation to everything else in the packing district. But to be out there and on campus, as it were, and driving around, uh, was really neat. I was uh, I wasn't expecting how excited I would be for that to be uh, completed, especially hearing about it. Yeah, I mean, seeing on a, on a map is one thing, but then like being there and like driving through it, it totally gave me a whole new perspective because I, I was like, I had a general idea of yeah. where it was, and also I have no idea how big an acre is. So seeing what twenty nine acres looks like was kind of enlightening. Yeah. Is that what it was? Twenty. Uh, it's acres? forty acres total. Uh, okay. 22, I believe, are going to be developed, and then 18 are going to be uh, preserved. So I still like don't know how run. big You an still acre have is. no idea how no big an idea acre is. No idea how big an acre is. But it's a big spot. It is amazing how a developer can walk out there and then go to a map and plan out every square foot uh, with all that vision. Yeah. And someone else might have just put in a big box store with a big parking lot, and that would have yep. taken up the whole exactly. same amount of space. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple of retention ponds just because they have to. Right. But yeah, this is going to have a full lake on the campus on these 40 acres. Um, the entrance is going to be on the John Young Parkway. So it's oh. going to go uh, on the north end of the campus. It's going to be up against the new city park that's being built there, the 200-acre city park that's being built there mm-hmm. with the dog park and the YMCA and the tennis center and uh, other developments, including some housing um, so it's going to be right there in the middle of things and very close to everything that's going on. Logan, have you heard about it? Do you know what's going on there for that campus? Well, yeah, I, I, I've heard some of the high-level items, but what were some of the things you've learned about? It was it? it was neat. So um, obviously, so it's four roots. It's by the right. guy who John Rivers. Rivers. Yeah, John Rivers, yeah. yeah, John Rivers put it together, and this is their nonprofit arm. So they want to do a lot of learning there. They want to do a lot of uh, farming and growing there. So it's going to have a full farm, like with fields and a barn and everything. I don't think any livestock, uh, but the greenhouse sounds really neat. Where they're going to be doing, they've designed with their farmer whose name was John. Think so? Probably, okay. Probably Maybe. Farmer Joe. For, probably Farmer Joe or Farmer John. We'll we'll check on that one. Mr. Farmer. Mr. Farmer. Uh, they put together a custom built greenhouse system that's going to have aquaponics and hydroponics. So it's going to have oh. the fish in there that are going to be fertilizing the plants that are be growing up in the air. It's going to be it's really like really land neat to at see Epcot, it. Right? Yeah, Over yeah. I think it's going to be Park. it's going to be a, give the Epcot a run for its money. We'll have that. And we'll what, have, there's something about Israel? 
That's where it's being built. So it was custom built wow. in Israel by a company in Israel that does these kinds of greenhouses. It's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. And what's funny is with all the delays on the construction because of materials and labor and all that, the greenhouse is already ready to go. It's actually in a shipping container about to oh, go funny. overseas over here. Uh, but they are hoping to put up some walls soon on the classroom in the greenhouse. That'll be some of the first things that are going to be built so they can get all that done. But it's going to be a big campus for learning, for education, for OCPS, and maybe even you know Seminole County busing in students to experience this as well. They're also going to have what they hope to be a Michelin star-worthy restaurant. So some on of the food well. from that uh, farming area will exactly. go farm to table right yeah. to the restaurant. Yep, mm-hmm. and Great. they'll have a little cafe there as well, and then an event center. So up to 300 people in the event center. People can reserve that for different things they're doing, um, and then all the catering will be in-house as well. And there was also, so this is Four Rivers' nonprofit arm. Yeah. So there was a, a big aspect on education right so huge on education so is, it, is there an education center was that yeah so it? there's right going to, to be yeah eventually there's going to be a discovery center as well which will almost be like a the way they described it was like a science center but mm-hmm. about florida agriculture and the other thing they're doing which i think is really interesting which you will you know i think is part of the education process is all of the plants on the campus um just the uh you know the uh, the stuff that's there, the trees and the other things that are there just from a, an ornamental standpoint will be native Florida Wonderful. species. A lot of them will be edible um, because they, they like the idea of having that on campus as well. And there'll be everything from uh, uh, an irrigation standpoint mm-hmm. will be rainwater uh, related. So it won't be using up a lot of water to irrigate all these things well as a member of the florida native plant society yeah i appreciate that because so many of our native plants shrubs trees uh they're from here they do well yeah. here you don't have to do anything extra yeah. with them they don't require any extra watering or mm-hmm. care or fertilizing and i think that is something that everyone is learning more about yep. as we try to live in harmony with nature here mm-hmm. as our city continues to grow and sprawl out and 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 consume some of those agricultural lands we're getting further yeah. and further away from our agricultural roots and uh, I think this will be, yeah, a great learning opportunity for everyone. Well, speaking of that, do you think we should just get rid of lawns altogether? We should ban them because of the water, the amount of water that they need? Well, that's actually an article I'm working on right now. Thanks for the segue. And uh, yeah, there's for a long time been a Florida-friendly movement yeah. to uh, plant other things in a, in a yard besides just grass, especially if it's a non-native grass that needs special maintenance. Um, some, I, I've been experimenting with my own lawn, and I have a mix of St. Augustine, which is actually native, but it's one of those grasses that to do well, you've got to water it a lot and it might have a dormant period. Mm-hmm. So the key is mixing it with some other things. So I have a plant called frog fruit, mm. which is really cool. And it's sort of a vine-like uh, plant that goes along and you can mow it. Uh, you can stand on it, walk on it. Uh, pets can be on it. Um, but it puts up a little flower, kind of like a clover, and there's several butterfly species that 
like it, and uh, that's a good ground cover. Um, and then I also have our native oxalis, which kind of looks yeah. like shamrocks, yeah. but they, they have a little yellow. Sometimes purple, too. Well, those purple ones are the evil, invasive oh, ones, okay. usually sold like around St. Patrick's Day, yeah. and somehow they've gotten out into our yards. Yeah. Uh, but there's a native little one with yellow flowers, and that makes a good ground cover, too. And then right now, there's a type of grass called wavy basket grass, and it looks really great, but it's seasonal as well. So it's it's kind of important to try to mix up seasonal things, have some things that do well in the summer and some things that do right. well in the winter, and then you can still have a year-round green, green lawn. Grass, yeah. You just don't have to water it all the time. You don't have to fertilize it all the time. And a lot of them don't really need mowing that much either. So... Uh, and then, of course, there's all those other ideas of putting in a vegetable garden in your front yard yeah. or putting in shrubbery or uh, you, you, probably not the best idea to put in astroturf or rock. You know, we're not Phoenix, Arizona. We get plenty of rain. Let's grow something in our yards. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah, it's the runoff from a lot of that agriculture yeah. that's going in and caught it to our rivers and that goes out to the Indian River or the lagoons and then the ocean and makes the algae blooms and kills off the manatees. And, it, you know, it's just this long chain and a lot of it comes back to our yards. Hmm. Well, I'm going to uh, send this over to Four Roots so Logan can do a couple of classes over there when the classroom <laughs> is built out. I really like that. Thank you, Logan. They had a couple of things that were pretty interesting as well. Was um, uh, One was a um, farm that was inside a shipping container. Oh. So it was all self-contained and had the lights in there. And, you know, you could grow tomatoes year-round because so you could control... Hydroponics? Yeah. Okay. And you could control the temperature and all that stuff in there. So they're experimenting with that. That'll be on the campus as well. And so... They had know, rave lights in there. They had the uh, the, the yeah. UV lights were very, very dance You put them on and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. You know, those shipping containers can be anything. They, they, can, they be can be a garden. They can be a club. Anything. They can be a house. They can whatever, you know. They also had a device that they had just ordered that is going to be able to turn uh, table scraps and stuff, stuff you would normally uh, compost. It would turn it and convert it into something that you could use as fertilizer uh, within 24 hours. Oh, wow. Instead of six months. Yeah. What right. is it? it was aerobic something. It was aerobic bio... Digestion. Bio digester. Yep. Yeah. We might have butchered that, but we aerobic like biodigester. A biodigester, yes, because that sounded like it reminded me of some sort of evil Harry Potter. That's character. right. That's what you said. Yep. And you have does. to watch out for the biodigester, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of look like Hagrid with your beard. Thank you. You're welcome. I do that. That needs to be the next ride at Universal. <laughs> the bio Hagrid and the biodigester. Perfect. Uh, the so the status of it, it it's not far along. From it is not. I mean, I think it's late 2023 that a lot of the stuff is going to be done and ready for people to come visit. But it is going well. They're doing it in sort of a three-phase approach. They're going to do the stuff that they really think is important first, which includes the greenhouse, the classroom, uh, community green, 
and uh, the barn and the um, uh, the fields out there as well. And then comes the restaurant, the event center. There's going to be a stage out there. They're actually going to put up a few guest houses as well. So if they have somebody coming down, a particular farmer or an artist, something like that, they can stay on campus to help out with the classrooms and the uh, events going on there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, at the very end is going to be the Discovery Center. The Culinary Health Institute is also going to be phase two, they say. Yeah, so the Culinary Health Institute is going to be where they're trying out different things in terms of, you know, it sounded a little bit like uh, homeopathic stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Like tomatoes help with this type of thing, but what kind of tomatoes? Mm-hmm. Like, is it store-bought tomatoes, or do you need a particular... Probably an uh, heirloom. Heirloom tomato. tomato, or something a little more, you know, recent uh, from the ground, that sort of thing. How different foods affect your health. And yep. Yeah. It sounded well, interesting. One it's of the really things neat. that really excites me about the packing district, and this is me putting on my urban planner hat now, I like that hat. This it's it's nice. It covers it's a, my bald spot. Yeah. It's got a little road around the rim where yes. like electric cars are driving. That's really nice. Exactly. There's actually a little control tower for airplanes yep. too nice. at the top. But uh, so this it, packing district area is one of the possible future stops of a Sunrail line, mm-hmm. and the particular route has been called the Orange Blossom Express. Yeah. It's an idea that's been around for quite a while now, but uh, with the proposed transportation sales tax that's that we're going to be voting on in November, this is one of the projects that they've brought forward front and center, and this would be another extension of Sunrail after yep. the one that goes to the airport, and it would uh, follow the existing railroad tracks. It would come up through Creative Village from from downtown would stop at the packing district, would stop at the new Rosemont area, would go to Apopka, and then possibly on to maybe Mount Dora and up into Lake County. Yeah, uh, Eustis, that sort of thing. Yeah, the Orange County tax, of course, would only fund our portion in Orange County. But uh, whether that passes or not this fall, I think, you know, eventually, someday, this will be one of those stops. And in our urban planning world, we call all of what's going on at Packing District, we call that transit-oriented development. If you can have a nice cluster of of housing and destinations and offices and restaurants and everything, all within a short walking distance of a train station. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we just need the train now. At City Council, I learned about another development coming to the Packing District. Uh, almost 10 acres of land is going to be rezoned, so it went through first reading. Every ordinance has to go through two readings to be official. But uh, So first reading and then the next city council meeting, which is on the 26th of September, it'll be finalized. Uh, so it's to rezone for development. So right now they have this land, but it's not zoned for development. Mm-hmm. Uh, And they're calling it the Princeton Commons. Mm. And it's going to be, there's still a lot of steps to take before it's a reality, obviously, but the council documents showed plans for 600 apartment units, 10,000 square foot of office space, and 10,000 square feet of retail. So that's a pretty big project. Um, And it's going to be right near that four roots farm campus it's going to be yeah. really close to that ymca i gotta imagine it's going to still going to be on princeton if they're calling it princeton Commons. so th- maybe across the street on princeton from where the ymca is 
Yeah, it's it's on West Princeton and Packing District Way. And when this Four Roots Farm Campus opens up, another thing that is interesting is that the uh, farmer's market is going to be moving in to that campus. Yeah, for a short time longer, because now it's going to be over at the YMCA. Uh, once the YMCA opens in November, I believe. Okay. Um, so right now, the way that all the construction is going on, the uh, Packing District Farmer's Market has been in sort of a bad place um, because there's not a lot of ways to get in there based mm-hmm. on all the construction they're doing on the roads. Right. Um, so it's been a little bit of a challenge there. So they're going to be moving out over to uh, the entrance of the YMCA once the YMCA opens, which I think will be really great. Yeah, we'll have more details of that in the paper. Uh, When we come back from commercial break, I'll tell you more about City Council. If you need a little pick-me-up, a little more pep in your step, go to your podcast provider and subscribe to Your Daily Dose with Bob and Nick. Your Daily Dose with Bob and Nick comes out every weekday, five times a week, and every episode is less than 10 minutes. Perfect for your ride to work, or from work, or near work. Now back to the show. So, Tommy, what else have you been uh, learning from City Council? It's become a really popular uh, segment in our newspaper. Well, I'm glad to hear that because uh, I think it's important. Yeah, um, absolutely. There was, I think, the one of the biggest stories is that there, the City Council gave final approval for a 20-story tower in the North Quarter. Mm-hmm. So, oh wow, yeah, that's going to be the biggest, definitely biggest north of Colonial. Um, as far as a building by height, but it's going to be 386 apartment units, 150,000 square feet of retail, which is a lot. That um, is a lot. Holy and clock. especially compared to the units like that 386 to 150,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to take up mostly that whole block um, at the corner of Magnolia and Weber over there by the Mark Street senior center what's there now are two three-story office buildings one of my yep. friends works there well it's an older building i think 1972 yeah and so. it's not very architecturally interesting so i think it's probably a good replacement project what i think is interesting too is everything else in the north quarter has tended to cluster along orange avenue mm, yeah this will be one of the first new buildings over on the magnolia side in a long and time should really yeah. kind of activate that that street as well and then it borders the orlando urban trail that's right where it crosses magnolia and if we're talking about that specific area in general that's also very close to where the new holocaust center is going to be and that old OUC building was is in the process of being sold right or is listed for okay. sale it's been listed for maybe a year now. Yeah, so. it's been listed for a while. And for anybody who knows about it, it's this kind of strange old building right on Lake Ivanhoe there uh, that they haven't sold yet because they're actually trying to figure out, okay, we can sell it to you, but you have to tell us what your plan is first. Mm-hmm. Right. So they won't sell it unless they get somebody in there who's going to develop it in an interesting it's way. It's got to be cool. Yeah. We don't know what it'll be, but it has to be cool. Yeah. So a lot, a lot going on in that very small yeah. portion of the north. Oh, that's neat. One hundred and fifty thousand square feet of retail. Yeah, that's a lot. I what can't are you even, putting in there? Maybe a Target. 
Maybe oh, a Joe's. Maybe a big thing. Maybe like, a maybe Publix. Like not a, that's not, I mean, that's a good uh, uh, speculation that uh, it could be a, another grocery store. Yeah. yeah, pure speculation, by the way. I have yeah. no knowledge of yeah. that. The other news from City Council was mm-hmm. the mental health first responder program was extended. So for those that aren't familiar with it, this was passed last December in response to the George Floyd protests. It's a way for not sending police to every 911 call. Yeah. So these mental health professionals are employed by Aspire Health Partners, and they have a team that has now responded to over 1,300 911 calls. Wow. Yeah, and the, it was passed last December, and I think it maybe started in March or February. So that's a... It's been a popular program, and it was ext- it was a pilot program. Mm-hmm. So it's still a pilot program, and it, the pilot program was extended for 18 months with a funding boost. They're going to employ a dedicated dispatcher and make a part-time employee full-time. So they're uh, increasing funding as well as extending it. That's great. Well, I'm, I mean, obviously in 1,300 calls, you can see sort of what the results have been. And so they've obviously seen some positive aspects to it. You know, I'm really proud of Orlando for for doing this. And this was sort of branded poorly nationwide with the whole defund the police concept. But really, Orlando has done it the right way. That would have been 1,300 calls that uh, would have almost, I don't want to say wasted the time of a police officer, Mm -hmm. but they could have been doing other things. And instead, we sent the right person to those calls, a mental health professional. And that's something I think the whole country probably could learn from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rather than just defund the police, no, let's have the police do the things they're best at, and let's involve these mental health professionals for the things they're best Mm -hmm. at. So, yeah, it's a a partnership between OPD and Aspire Health Partners. And and it's the mental health professionals go to nonviolent 911 calls involving mental crises, attempted suicide, and substance Mm -hmm. abuse. So if nobody's in danger or yeah. like it's just a mental thing and someone's going through some stuff, it I don't know how much a police officer really would help, you know? So if they're not trained for yeah. that, uh, you know, they can maybe calm a situation and especially if there are weapons involved, they can help, but yeah, otherwise they would then just be calling up a health care professional too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say, uh, being part of the mayor city Academy, we got to go to, uh, the police, the OPD's, uh, training facility mm-hmm. over by the executive airport. And I know they get a lot of incredible training and retraining too. So it's not just you're going through sure. the police Academy and that's it for training. You know, it's almost like uh, continuing education credits and in other industries and things. And they are trained on this, but, you know, I, I think that's probably part of it as well, where they're seeing, hey, you know, I'm not, I don't know that I can help that much with this. So let's call in the people from Aspire. So sort of this su- supplement and complement teamwork thing that's going on is really good. Yeah, I think it's a great program. And another 18 months, we'll see if it becomes a permanent thing. Nice. Uh, Logan, You've been working on a story that talks about a really unique shopping center. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, it sort of dawned on me that we were writing all these stories about cool shops at the Dover Shores Shopping Center, which 
you'd be forgiven for not knowing where that was, just driving by thinking it was another strip mall. Strip it, malls get a bad rap, but this one can. is special. Yep. Yeah. This one's on Curry Ford. Uh, it's near Curry Ford and Crystal Lake yep. Road. So that's part of the Curry Ford West Main Street District, one of the newer Main Street districts. And uh, it was actually one of the earliest uh, shopping centers or strip malls in Orlando. Uh, a family by the name, uh, it was started by a gentleman named Coy Jamerson. Coy Town is named after him. Uh, that was but, the other development that he had? Yeah, okay. yeah. And that shopping center still exists. That was built in 1954. Mm -hmm. And this one uh, in Dover Shores was 1958. And his son, uh, Homer Jamerson, is part, a partner who helps manage and run these uh, buildings. Oh, nice. And uh, there are a number of longtime Orlando businesses there. You have uh, Charlie's Bakery, Clemens Produce, um, we've visited with the Living Dead Comics uh, shop folks, mm -hmm. uh, Daybreak Diner. But when I started looking at it, I realized, number one, there were no chain stores. Uh, all of these are local small businesses. But number two, it has a wonderful variety, like everything you would want in a little uh, town main street. Mm -hmm. uh, all the way to a post office is even in this this uh, shopping center. And so I stopped into the Band Room, another yep. longtime business that started in 1989. And they help service musical instruments with the Orange County Public School System across the whole county. Mm. Uh, they're partly located there because it is very central. And the owner lives a few blocks away. Um, but uh, I had a nice uh, visit uh, with the folks there and learned about their business model. And uh, they actually have uh, three storefronts in that shopping center just for their business, the band room. Hmm. Uh, but a big variety of interesting stores. Yeah. yeah I think I, I can say I've been to most of them. I've definitely mailed stuff. I've definitely gone to Charlie's for desserts. I was at Clemens yesterday. Really? To pick up some fruit and vegetables. Uh, we rented my oldest's viola from there for huh. when they were doing that. We used to go. I used to take the kids there to get their comic books. Yeah, so I'll and been to the diner many a time. And I think you got your tattoos there, the ones that are on like your neck. I and wish, face. I and wish I did. They have a tattoo I need, parlor. I need too. more tattoos. I'll get a, a community paper sleeve just yeah. with the logo wow. and all the buildings would, on it. What would that consist of? I don't know, but we'll go. We'll both go. Yeah. Me and you, Tommy. Well, if you guys get community paper tattoos, yeah. you could just stop next door then to the accountant that's at Dover Shores Shopping Center and look into uh, deducting that yeah. on yeah. your taxes. Yeah, because it is advertising. Right. For, exactly. For it's just like one of those wraps on a pickup, exactly. you know? 100%. <laughs> Which, by the way, local shout out, the Lover's Tattoos. I got a tattoo from them recently. They're really good. Oh, very nice. Right up there on uh, Edgewater yeah. by the Coin Store. Yep. And uh, Jeff's Which, Bagel Run mm -hmm. is up there now. Uh, okay, now I have to ask, uh, what did you get? I got a family portrait is what I'm calling it. Oh. So I had a cardinal tattooed on my shoulder already. So I got something that represents each member of my family. And where is this going? It's already there. Oh. It's already done on my shoulder. On the so when you say family, uh, are Logan and I represented on there? Community uh, paper family? No, no, that's my community paper tattoo. Oh, upcoming. okay. And yeah. you're going to do something that represents each writer? Yes. Yeah, so just headshots. Just a... Outline of perfect. Oh, I'm sorry, Logan. 
have to carry a portrait of I'm me sorry. the rest of your life. <laughs> wow. That's what, uh, yeah. that's the price you pay. Speaking of the price you pay, the community paper is free. So you can get it, it can't in a bunch that. of places. Um, if you would like to subscribe and have it sent directly to you, you can visit yourcommunitypaper.com and subscribe. You can read all of our stories there. And also you can just pick it up at one of the amazing places around town that carries it. Thank you for listening to the Community Podcast. Did you like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and tell your friends and family to do the same. Stay up to date on the latest news from the Community Paper by visiting yourcommunitypaper.com and follow them on social media. The show is produced by Nick Jorgudio. Learn more about starting your own podcast by visiting orlandopodcasting.com. You can visit Community Paper Orlando. Is that the website? Yourcommunitypaper.com. You can visit yourcommunitypaper.com. Digital editor here doesn't know our website. <laughs> <laughs>